The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're in a series right now called Fixing Our Eyes, and we're talking about seeing things the right way, uh, seeing things God's way, moving beyond our five physical senses and seeing things through what, what we're going to talk about today is seeing things with faith. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, this is the name of my message, uh, Faith in the Real Jesus. Faith in the Real Jesus is the title. Write that down. If you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, uh, you should be taking notes. If the person beside you isn't taking notes, look at them and tell them what's wrong with you. Take notes. Go ahead. There you go. Take notes. Okay. You need to take notes. You remember like you retain like 70% more of what you take notes on. So take notes. Okay. Faith in the real Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at two things today. First of all, we're going to look at faith, what faith is. We want to fix our eyes on faith, that we see faith the right way. And then the second thing we're going to look at is the real Jesus. Uh, Because what if we're not seeing Jesus the right way? It's hard to have faith in something if you don't know that something is available. And what if there are things, what if there are aspects to Jesus that we're not walking in because we just simply don't understand that we can I want to help you to see this today in the right way. So faith in the real Jesus, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and let me just, I, I got, I'm, we're going to start by talking about faith and then we'll jump into Jesus. Let me, let me give you, I got four points for you this morning. Here's the first one. Uh, point number one is this, faith is fundamental. Faith is fundamental. If you take a notes, write that down. Faith is fundamental. Hebrews 11 verse one says this, says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now I'm going to read this to you again from a different translation. This is the message paraphrase translation. I want to read it to you, to you from this translation because it brings it into a little bit more modern time English. And I want to explain it a little bit as I unpack this. Okay. So it says it like this. I love the way it says it's the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God. Now remember last week, if you were here, it, we talked about how faith is trust that, that at its very core at its foundational point, faith is just It's trust. It's trust in God. And it says this. It says, this trust in God, this faith, so there it is, is the firm foundation under everything. Everybody say everything. Everything Everything that makes life worth living. Look what it says here. It's our handle on what we can't see. In other words, it helps us to move beyond what we can't see, what we're not experiencing here in the physical world. And then look what it says next. The act of faith. Notice that there is an act of faith. There's an action that takes faith, moving based on this faith. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors. That's talking about some of the, some of the famous people of scripture, what, what distinguished them and set them above the crowd. What made them stand out was the act of faith. Okay. So, so it tells us here that faith is a foundation of what, uh, life with God is really all about. And, and if, you're, if you're learning about faith, and we talked about this last week, what, you, what you're going to learn about faith is that faith is moving based on things that you cannot see. It's trusting God and moving in a way that's trusting God based on what you cannot see, what you cannot and are not experiencing necessarily with your five physical senses. Now, this is hard for us, right? Because we grow up in a world where we live based on our five physical senses. But we, we have to learn as Christians, we have to move beyond that. We have to move beyond just what we experience with our senses. 
Uh, it says here that it separated the ones in the Bible. That, that is what made them stand out. Listen, the people like David and Esther and Daniel and Abraham, the people in Scripture that, that are in the hall of faith, what made them stand out was their willingness to trust God, have faith in God, and move based on that trust. Take steps trusting God. Take steps of faith. And this is so important because if, if you don't get this, if you don't come to understand this, you will never fully take the steps God's calling you to take and you will not experience what God wants you to experience. If you can only, if you're only going to live your life based on what you can experience with your five physical senses, you are going to miss out on what God wants to do with you. In fact, it says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, but the natural man, in other words, the man who's only focused on the natural things, who's only focused on what he can experience experientially through his physical senses. Look at what it says. Does not receive the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. He's not going to know them. He's not going to experience them in his life because they are, spirit, they are spiritually discerned. Okay, so a huge part of our walking with God and experiencing what it is that God wants you to experience is you're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to have to trust God and you're going to have to move based on that trust. Faith is fundamental. Everything, every single thing that God wants to do in your life is going to be accessed for you through faith. Think about this. Receiving salvation. There's a grace for salvation, right? Jesus died on the cross so that you can be saved. But there are people who are going to die and go to hell. Why? Because they didn't put faith in that. They didn't put their faith in Jesus Christ. They didn't put their faith in the cross. They didn't experience it. It's by grace through faith. It's there. It's available by grace. It's accessed through faith. We have to have faith. Faith is fundamental. Here's point number two. Faith comes standard. Faith comes standard. If you're taking notes, write that down. Faith comes standard. Okay, so faith is important. It's fundamental. It's what we need if we're going to experience what God wants us to experience. But I got good news for you this morning. The faith that you need to experience things like joy and peace and victory and provision and healing and wisdom and boldness, the, joy, the, the faith that you need to walk in those things, you already have. You have the faith you need. You have the measure of faith that God has called you to walk in. Look at this. Romans 12 verse 3 says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with a sober judgment. Now look at this next part. In accordance with the measure of faith God has distributed to each of us. It talks about the measure of faith that we have received. That word measure there comes from the Greek word metron, and it means a standard determined measure. Listen, you have all the faith you need, and you have the same amount of faith that everybody else has. We have all received this measure of faith God's given to each one of us, and he's no respecter of persons, so you have the same faith. You have all the faith you need. Now, I have three kids, and, uh, and my kids love candy. Any parents in here got kids that love candy? Raise your hand if that's you. K kids love candy. My kids are always looking for opportunities to get candy. And so uh, one of the things that we like to do in our house is about once a month we do this thing called a movie night at home, and we try to create this kind of going out to the movies experience at home and saving like $900 by doing it this way. 
Okay, so, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll pick out a movie with the kids and we'll put it on the big screen TV and, uh, and then we'll, go, we'll pop popcorn and, and we'll, we'll go to Five Below and we'll get candy for them. They can pick out all their candy. We'll get them special drinks and then we'll come home and, and me and Sarah will then get all of the candy and everything and we'll distribute it to the children. And what we do is we get these little bowls out and we carefully measure the amounts of candy that each child gets. There's a couple of things that we're doing. One is we're making sure they don't get too much so that their heads don't pop off. And two, uh, we want to make sure that they get equal amounts because, listen, if one of them has one more Sour Patch Kid than the other one, then there is going to be, it's like prison break. Like, it's terrible, okay? So we got to make sure... This is right. So we carefully make sure that we divvy up to each child exactly the measure that they, that they need and we're, we're, we give them all the same. Now listen, in the same way, that's how God works with us in faith. He didn't give me more faith than he gave to you. He didn't give the disciples in the Bible more faith than he gives to you. He doesn't give the people up here in the front row more than the people in the back row. He doesn't give people, I'm not ragging on you people in the back row. I love you people in the back row. He doesn't give more faith to people who grew up in a home with a mother and father than he does someone who grew up with maybe not a father in the picture. We all receive the measure of faith. Peter wrote a, a letter, Second Peter, this epistle he wrote to a group of believers. And in it, he, he talks a little bit more about this. He says this, he's talking to Christians, so he's talking to believers like me and you. Uh, Simon Peter, he's introducing himself, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have attained, uh, obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so Peter is writing this letter to a group of believers and he's writing it to a group of people who have obtained like precious faith. Now, now Peter's not having like a valley girl moment here. Like he's not saying like, to those who have obtained like precious faith, it's not that. He's saying like precious faith. Here's what he's saying. It's, it's actually the Greek word esotemos. Esotemos. It means of equal value or honor. So he's writing to this group of Christians. He's saying, hey, to all of you who are believers in Jesus Christ like me, who have the same amount of faith, we all have the same amount of faith. We all have this equal amount of faith. Now hear, now hear me, this is cool, okay? Because Peter did some pretty cool stuff. And he's saying that you have the same kind of faith that he has. Let me remind you, Peter prayed for this lady named Dorcas, which is all-time classic name. And, and she, she was dead. And she was raised from the dead. Uh, Peter, he's the guy that would walk around and his shadow would touch people and they would be healed. The Bible says that you have the same amount of faith that he had. That's good news. But let me tell you something even cooler. You have the same amount of faith that Jesus had. Paul said it this way. Look at this. Galatians 2 verse 20. I live by, look, notice how he says this. I live by the faith of the son of God. Not, I I live not faith in the son of God. The faith of the son of God. The same kind of faith that the son of God had who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, you're taking notes, write this down, okay? This is important. Every born-again believer in this room already has the same quality and quantity of faith that Jesus had. You have it. You already have it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to be so good and perfect that you can walk in it. It's there. You have it. And this is important for you to understand because if you don't understand it, here's what you're going to do. You're going to see in scripture that faith is a big deal because we've already shown it's fundamental. And and because you don't understand that, you're going to go to God and go, God, give me more faith. God, I need more faith. God, would you give me more faith? 
It's like someone coming to me, and it's like me going to Sarah and saying, hey, here's my notebook with all my notes on faith. And I hand it to her, and then she looks at me, and she goes, hey, would you give me your notebook with all your notes on faith? Please, I want to I understand what you have to say about faith. Can you give that to me? And I'm going, it's in your hands. Just, just open it up. You just have to access it. You already have it. You see what I'm saying? You already have it. You just have to access it, okay? So how do we access it? Well, here's point number three. If you're taking notes, write this down. Faith is in God. Faith is in God. Faith is not in you. That's good news. Faith is not in other people. Faith is in God. And in order for you to walk in a greater measure, in order for you, because see, here's the thing. You have this faith, but you're just not tapping into it. So you want your faith to grow. It's not that you want to get more. It's that you want to access more what you have. So how do you access it? You access it by having a greater revelation of who God is. Remember, faith is trust, right? And, and here's something that we all, no matter, no matter what kind of home you grew up in, no matter what's in your bank account right now, no matter what the color of your skin is, here's something I know about every one of you in here. It's hard to trust in things or in people that we don't know. Can I get an amen? amen? That's hard to do. But the good news is God doesn't ask you to do that. He wants, he wants you to know him. And when we get to know his word, we get to know him in a greater way. We struggle with trusting things we don't know. See, and here's why. Because the opposite of faith is fear. Think about this. What is faith? Faith is trusting God and it's believing in God that there's going to be a good outcome, right? Well, what's fear? Fear is projecting a bad outcome. Fear is faith in reverse, Fear is faith in what the enemy's telling you to do. It's putting your faith in what he's saying and projecting that something bad is going to happen. And, and so if we don't know God, we can't fully put our trust in God and we walk by fear instead of faith and we don't experience what God wants us to have. This is good preaching. Yeah. So I was thinking about this this week, how important trust is to our actions. How important it is that we have trust in something. I don't know about you, but I don't, there's things I just, if I don't trust them, I'm not going to move based on a lack of trust, a lack of faith. And as I was thinking about that, I, I, I started Googling some pictures and I came across some stuff I want to show you this morning that are things that I personally um, would not put my faith in. All right. So go ahead and put the first one up there. Um, this is a ladder system that these guys came up with. Now I get it. They got some work to do, right? And they didn't have a tall enough ladder. So they rigged it with some kind of tractor. I personally, I'm not going to do this. Why? Because I can project some bad things are going to happen. That ladder moves. I fall down. I die, right? So fear is going to keep me from walking in faith and trusting that situation, right? Okay, show the next one, guys. Um, okay, I don't know if you can tell really well. This is the Minnesota Vikings when they built their new stadium, okay? This is the top of their stadium as they were doing construction. That's a porta potty in the middle there. Now I get it. They're up there working. They got to go to the bathroom. But I'm telling you, man, I am not getting in that porta potty up there. Like I will find another way. Because the last way I want to go, <laughs> literally, well, I don't know either way, is falling to my death in a porta potty from a thousand feet in the air. Like that's not cool. Okay, so I'm not doing that. I can project bad things. Go next. Okay, this is awesome. <laughs> this is apparently a food van. And I don't know if you can see the back of that. It says bean pies, apple bean pies, sweet potato pies with cream cheese, $3 each. Yeah, right? Well, it's a bean pie. 
Anybody know what a beat? That sounds disgusting. And, and then too, I just look at this and this is so sketch, right? Like where are these bean pies being cooked? How did they get here? Like I can project some bad things happening in a toilet at one point based on this picture. I want nothing to do with that. Okay, go to the next one, guys. This is a bridge in Southeast Asia. You know, I don't know what's in that water. I don't know when this thing was built. I am not walking across that, bi- that bridge because I do not trust in that. Now, this last one, I want don't, don't show it yet, guys. Hold off on it. This last one, I got to tell you a little bit of story behind it. This, this is from a, a theme park called Action Park. And Action Park is considered to be the most dangerous amusement park in history. Like the guy that owned this place was just nuts. And he would come up with these crazy, uh, crazy amusement rides and uh, people would get like horrifically injured. People died. Several people died from Action Park amusement rides. Okay. So, uh, so check this out. Um, go ahead and show it guys. Oh no, no, no. Not, not that. The slide. Slide. Sorry. That's an airplane with duct tape. I wouldn't trust that either. Okay. This is a water slide, right? That's a water slide with a loop-de-loop at the bottom. Now, I don't know about you, but right, like water slides, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but like the speed of a water slide, not real consistent, you know? Depending on your weight, depending on what you're wearing, there's a lot of variables there. And there's a loop-de-loop in this. So the story goes that when this thing was built, he couldn't get anybody to go down it. And so he bribed some of his employees. He told them he'd give them a hundred bucks for every person that would go down it. So they started going down it. People were getting bloody noses, concussions, scrapes. And so you'd think they would go, well, maybe we should go back to the drawing board. Nope, open it up. And so they opened it up. More concussions, more things. Within a week, somebody got stuck in the top of the loop-de-loop. Stuck up there. They had to cut them out, bring in a fire truck, cut them out. Now you would think, okay, now it's time to shut this down. This is not working out. No, 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 not Action Park. What did they do? They created a hatch up there so that they could access people who got stuck more easily. I'm telling you, Action Park, Google it sometime. It's amazing. Um, it finally took like the Board of Amusement Parks of America coming in, which I guess is a thing, and saying like, this is a no-go, and they finally shut this thing down. Now, here's what I'm getting out with all this. Um, we see all this stuff and it's crazy. And for me personally, here's my thing. I would not put my trust in that because I can project that if I act in good faith with this stuff, I'm going to get hurt. Like there's some fear involved. And here's what I know about every one of us. Um, we all have trust limits. We all do. And, and for, and, and really some of that is good. Like trust is actually kind of a defense mechanism that God's given us to keep us from you know, putting ourselves in situations sometimes that are not trustworthy or putting our children in situations that we shouldn't be trusting other people or trusting situations. Like it's not always a bad thing. And so there are times and there are places when we shouldn't trust certain things that they don't deserve our trust. But listen, God is not one of them. God is trustworthy. And you don't need to put your, you don't need to put any kind of limitations on your trust in God. And if you do, you're going to miss out on what God wants to do in your life. What if God doesn't come through? What if it doesn't work out the way that I I thought it it should? Well, here's what's happening. There's a lack of knowledge on your part. You don't know God like you should. You don't know who he is. You don't understand who he is. And so based on a lack of knowledge, which the Bible says people are destroyed by it, we miss out. Because we don't really know God we miss out. So what does the Bible says? It says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes. Faith comes by 
hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing about. Now, the Bible's not contradicting itself here. It's not saying that you're going to get more faith. It's saying a revelation, a greater revelation of your faith is accessed when you know God through his word. When you come to know God, when you sit in church like you are today and you listen to teaching, when you, when you get scriptures and you study those and you speak those out of your mouth, when you, when you take time to get into the word of God, here's what happens. You get a revelation of who God is. You come to understand his power and his nature and his desires, which listen, his desire is you. He loves you and he has good plans for you. And the more revelation you get of that, the more you come to know God, the more you experience the love of God and listen, perfect love casts out fear. So you can walk in faith. The Bible says this, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Notice this verse is, listen, this verse is not talking about the emotion of love. It's talking about the person of love. Because 10 verses before in verse 8 of that same chapter, it says, God is love. God is love and he is perfect love. And what he wants you to do is come to know him, come to know who he is and what he's about. And as you come to know him, you'll experience a revelation of who he is. And as you come to know him and you, you, start, to accept, you start to realize who he is, you, you step into these new levels of faith in him. You realize how trustworthy he is with your life and you can walk in faith that he's called you to walk in. If you're taking notes, write this down. Faith is not about the unknown. Some people think that. We know. God hasn't called you to walk in the unknown. He's called you to walk in the unseen. But he hasn't called you to walk in the unknown. We know. We know. Faith is, is, is walking by faith. It's not by sight. We walk in spiritual sight, not in physical, physical sight. We walk in a revelation of knowing who God is, not in what we see here in this world. Okay, so based on that, faith is in God. Okay, let, let's talk about Jesus now. Because what, um, what if we don't know Jesus like we should? Because Jesus is God and Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins and he made a way for us. But what if there are things that we're not, we're not experiencing in our life? I, I was thinking about this this morning, actually. What if, you know, you found out that in your car, uh, there's a feature in your car. Like, let's say you didn't know that you had seat heaters in your car. And so since you don't know that you have seat heaters in your car, you're not experiencing having seat heaters in your car because you don't know it's available. See, you can't put your faith in something you don't know that's available. You can't access something from God if you don't know that he's made a way for you to have it. So what I want to do the rest of the message here is I want to look at some of the foundational ministries of Jesus so that you can understand what Jesus came to do. Because here's what I see far too often is people are only experiencing salvation. We're going to heaven and that's great. And listen, that's the greatest gift that's ever been given to this world. But Jesus didn't die just so you could go to heaven and avoid hell. He came to make a way that touches every area of your life. So if you have your Bible, look at Luke chapter 4 with me. Luke chapter 4. And as you turn there, um, let me kind of set this up for you. Okay, Jesus is just getting ready to step into his ministry. In fact, this is the first time he ever gets up in front of a group of people and teaches from the word and shares something with them. He has just been water baptized, been Holy Spirit baptized. He has been in the wilderness for 40 days and now he's in his hometown and he's at his home church and he's getting ready to share something from the word of God. Now, let me just remind you, um, what Jesus is gonna share here actually is, is what he's gonna point us to is what he came to do and what he's all about. 
And as he shares this, let me just remind you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he was about is what he is about, okay? So look at this with me. Luke chapter 4, starting verse 16 says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom... Uh, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So he's in his hometown at his home church as it was a custom. It was a custom for Jesus to be at church. Should be a custom for you. Okay. Verse 17. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now what he's about to quote here is from Isaiah 61. And I want you to look at this with me. He's going to point to five foundational ministries that he's going to walk in. Okay. He says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes uh, who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, so When Jesus gets up and shares this, this is Isaiah 61, the people that would have been there that day, they would have understand, uh, understood this verse. They would have read it before. These were Hebrew people. They understood this verse. They'd read it. It was very familiar to them. And they also understood that this verse was speaking prophetically, or it was written a long time ago, talking about the Messiah who was going to come. And then Jesus gets up and says, today, this is fulfilled. He's pretty much saying right there, hey, I'm the Messiah. Now, he's in his hometown, and when he says this, they get really ticked off at him, really mad at him. In fact, it goes on to say that, that this mob of people took him, and they, they were escorting him out of the city, and they were going to throw him off a cliff. And then in verse 30, it says this, and I love this. This is so awesome. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went on his way. Okay, so let me just catch you up on here. This mob of people is carrying him out of the city to throw him off a cliff. And then it just says, then passing through them, he went on his way. It doesn't exactly say what happened here. Here's what I imagine. I imagine that Jesus is going out there and it's like, these people are trying to kill me. And it's like, it's not my time to go. So he does like a Zach Morris. He snaps his fingers and everybody freezes. Anybody say by the bell fans in here? Everybody freezes except for Jesus. And then he walks right through the middle of them. And they're all like... Now, I can't necessarily, like, you know, I, I have no grounds for that. But that's what I think happened. Jesus went all Zach Morris on those people, okay? But here's really what I want you to see. He, he speaks in Isaiah 61. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach uh, deliverance to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised. When he says that, when he quotes that, he speaks of five ministries that he's going to walk in. Here's what I want you to see. Let's look at these real quick, okay? The first one is this. Uh, salvation. And this is the one that most of us understand. Jesus came to bring salvation. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is good news, right? It's not good advice. It's good news to the poor. Okay. Here's the good news of the gospel. Um, we can now through Jesus have, have access to God and we, and God now through Jesus, we are accessible to God too. Like we, he can now have a relationship with us before that. We couldn't, we couldn't be close to God. Our sins separated from us, us from God. But now because of, because of Jesus, the relationship can be brought together. It says that he came to, to heal, um, to preach the gospel to the poor. Now when it talks about poor there, it's not talking about financially poor. 
Uh, the Greek word that's used there is talking about spiritually poor, and it's the Greek word tukos. It means the poor that are not able to work. Okay, so this is the kind of poor it's talking about. It's talking about people who are maybe blind, people who are handicapped in such a way that they cannot physically go out and work. They cannot do it. They, they, are, they have to sit there and beg for people to provide for them. And if nobody provides for them, listen, they die. They have no choice. All they can do is beg. And this is a, really a great picture of us without Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus, we are spiritually bankrupt. And there's nothing we can do. We cannot work. We can't do it. There's nothing we can do to earn our way into the grace of God. Salvation is not accessible to us. All we can do is put our faith and our trust in God and receive from him this gift of salvation. And it is available because of what Jesus did for us. And that's the first ministry that Jesus brought to us. He wants to save you. The first ministry he came to do is deliver us. Here's the second one, inner healing. The second foundational ministry of Jesus is inner healing. He says in verse 18, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The Greek word for brokenhearted there is, is two words. One which means heart and the second one is suntribo. It means to shatter, to break into many pieces. Okay, so let me give you kind of a picture of what this is. It's not like you have a glass jar and it just gets dropped on the ground and breaks into a few pieces. It's if I take a glass jar and I was to violently slam it onto the ground in such a way that it shatters into thousands and thousands of tiny little pieces and there's no way it could ever be put back together again. That's the picture that Jesus shows us. And some of you, listen, I know there's some of you in here that you've experienced that kind of pain in your life. There's been, there are things that have happened to you inside. People who have done things to you, let you down in such a way that you've looked at yourself and you said, I'll never be able to fully recover from this. Jesus says, I came to heal that kind of heart. To bring you back to a place where it's as if it never happened. He wants to bring inner healing to you like that. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus came to do. Listen, Jesus didn't come just to save you for the next life. He came to heal you in this life. Here's the third one. Third foundational ministry of Jesus is freedom. It says to proclaim liberty to the captives. That word uh, captives there is the Greek word ach. It's like a hach. It's like a hawk word. Ach malotos. Hach malotos. Yeah, that's awesome. And it means, a, it means a captive taken by a spear. Okay, so here's, here's the picture of this. It's as if you have been caught and you are now being walked to a death camp with a weapon at your back. Be it a spear, today it would probably be a gun. So it's like somebody's holding a gun to the back of your head and they're marching you towards a camp where you're going to be uh, trapped for the rest of your life. You're going to be horrifically treated and someday you're going to die there. A horrific death. And, and he says uh, he wants to bring freedom to captives, people who are caught in that. The Bible says this in Ephesians 4.18, talking about Jesus. It says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led, I love this, led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Here, here's the picture of this verse, okay? It's as if we see a hill. And on the other side of that hill is one of these death camps. And all of a sudden we see Jesus topping the hill. And behind him is every person who was trapped in that camp. And they're walking freely of their own will, following God into freedom. That's the freedom that Jesus wants you to experience. If you have an area of your life, because listen, we can be saved and still have bondages in our life. And a lot of people do. If you've ever found yourself going, God, I'm never going to do this again. I'll never do that again. And then you do it again. You might have a bondage. 
But Jesus wants to bring freedom, free indeed freedom to your life. He came to make a way so you can walk in that. Here's the fourth one, physical healing, healing. He wants to bring healing to your life. It says, and recovery of sight to the blind. First Peter 2.24 says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, talking about the cross, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Now that word healed there uh, comes from the Greek word iamai. Iamai, I should really figure out how to say these a lot better before I get up and preach them. Iamai, it means to cure, to heal, to make whole. Look at this, spirit, soul, and body. Not just spirit and soul, not just spirit, spirit, soul, and body. There is no area of your life that Jesus does not want to touch and that the cross cannot minister to. Jesus came to die on the cross. He shed his blood so that you could have salvation and that salvation would touch you in every aspect of who you are, not just one day in heaven, but here on earth. He bore our sins right? His sins were laid upon him. He also, the Bible tells us that he bore our sickness. All of the sickness of the world was laid on him. He took the penalty for it. You have the receipt in his stripes that were, that he took on the cross. You can have healing in your physical body. Here's the four, here's the fifth ministry of Jesus. Holy spirit anointing. Remember how this whole thing started. He says, the spirit of God is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Acts 10, 38, talking about Jesus, said that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. He had the anointing of the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God, what that's telling us is the, uh, the, the power that God walked in, he walked in because of the anointing that was on his life. And the anointing that he had on his life was the Holy Spirit anointing. And the same anointing he had, you can have. And he's the one who gives it to you. In fact, John the Baptist talking about this. He says this in, in John 1.33. He says, when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me. So he's talking about when he was going to baptize Jesus. It says this, the one whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Who is that? That's Jesus. After he was baptized in water, the Holy Spirit descended on him, rested on him, stayed with him, according to Acts 10.38. And so he's the one who baptized. There is a third baptism, my friends, that we receive. It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit that Jesus wants you to experience. And he's the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't just walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that, that baptism he wants to give you is the Greek word baptizo. It means to immerse, to submerge, to overwhelm, to saturate with the Holy Spirit, with the helper. Isn't that good news? Here's what I want you to see this morning. There is no area of your life that the cross does not touch. Jesus, the work that he did on the cross is a completed work, meaning that it's not just a done work. It touches, it completes you. It touches every area of your life. God wants to help you. He didn't just want to save you that someday you can go to heaven. He wants you to experience life on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he told you to pray. And he can tell you to pray that way because you can have faith to believe that because he won it for you. But listen, you can't have faith that God will heal you physically if you don't know that it's available for you. 
You can't have faith to experience freedom if you don't know that it's available for you to have it. You can't have faith to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you don't know that it's available to have. You can't have faith in something you don't know. And that's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to get in the Word. We've got to get in the Word. We've got to trust God. I was thinking about uh, this week, how it's Thanksgiving. And Wednesday night, I, 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 was, I felt the Lord was calling me to spend some time in prayer. And so I, uh, I got up and I, I, I just spent some time praying. And, just, and I, I found myself just being so thankful. And in fact, I really felt like the Lord was leading me to just start making a list. And so I got out a piece of paper and I just started writing down things that I was thankful for. And I went all the way back to before I was born, my mom being healed of endometriosis, which if she wouldn't have been healed physically of endometriosis, which means she couldn't have children, I wouldn't even exist. All the way to current things that are happening on a weekly, monthly basis. And just listed all these things out. And when I got done, I wrote down on the paper, faithful, faithful, faithful. All I've known is the faithfulness of God. And here's what I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving. You want to know what I'm thankful for? Here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that my faith is in God. It's not in me because I've messed up. It's not in people around me because I've had people that I put faith in that have let me down and hurt me. But my God has always been faithful. And we can put our trust in him. Let me give you one last thought. In, in Luke uh, 18, Jesus, in talking about faith, he, re- he told us that we need to have faith like a child. And here's why. Because kids, man, kids are trusting. I think about my, my children. My kids, they just trust me. They trust me and, me and, and Sarah, their mom. They don't, they don't lay in bed at night worrying about you know, if, if, if we have enough money to pay our bills, they don't worry where their next meal is going to come from. They just, they just know that someone bigger and stronger and more powerful and capable has got their back and is watching over them. And so, you know what, because of that, they experience freedom. They experience rest. They're not going, How, how's this all going to work? I don't understand. I can't see it. I don't understand. They can't, they don't comprehend it. They walk by faith in imperfect parents. Here's what God's calling you to do. He's calling you to walk by faith in a perfect God that you can trust. Church, we can do this. Faith is fundamental. It's, it's so important to your life. You've got to get this. This is why we've got to fix our eyes in faith. We've got to see things the right way. Faith comes standard. We all have the same measure. God's no respecter of persons. It's in you. What you need to do what God's called you to do is in you. He gave it to you. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, it's in you. You've got it. Faith is in God. It's not in you. It's not in people around you. It's in God. It's in Jesus. And Jesus made a way that touches every area of your life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we are so grateful. So grateful. As we move into Thanksgiving this week, God, I am thankful that I serve a faithful God, a God who is for me and not against me, a God who loves me and made a way and made a way in every area of my life. I don't have to walk alone in anything. There's nothing that I face, God, that I have to face on my own. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for me and for everyone in this room. Thank you, Lord. We're grateful for who you are. And God, we choose to fix our eyes on you. We choose to be a church that walks 
and trust like never before. We choose to get into your word so we can understand who you are in a greater way. We choose to be in church as much as possible so we can sit under word, under your word and allow you to minister and speak to us. We choose to walk by faith and not by sight. We choose to know you. Thank you, Jesus. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Just take a moment this morning and just allow God to speak to you. Maybe there's some areas of your life as we get ready to move into, into 2018. Maybe God's calling you to take some steps or to do some things that maybe seem a little scary. But, but you, you see that it's not, it's not crazy. It's, it's, in, it's in the word. It makes sense based on the word. You've talked to some people about it. I want to encourage you. If you've, if you've got some good counsel around you and it lines up with what the word of God says, to be willing to walk by faith. Take the steps God's calling you to take. To trust God trust God. I want to encourage all of you to take some time this week and make a list. A list. Go back to the beginning and list out the thankfulness, the faithfulness of God in your life. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you're here today and you have need of prayer, we would love to pray with you this morning. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never accepted salvation. You've never put your faith in God and given your life over to him. The grace is there. Jesus wants to save you. He wants to make a way so you don't have to miss out on heaven and all the good things God has for you. He's made a way for you to experience amazing life here on earth. But you've got to put your faith in him. You've got to be willing to say, God, I'm going to do things your way. I give you my life. I give you my heart. If that's you today, we'd love to pray with you. These, these altar ministry workers are up here this morning. They'd just love to pray with you, join our faith with yours. We've got some things we'd like to put in your hands to kind of help you to take the steps that God's calling you to take. So here in just a moment, we're going to go into a worship song. And if that's you today and you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to come down. But if you're here today and you have any need of prayer in any area of your life, maybe you're, you're dealing with something physically, you're dealing with something emotionally. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've experienced some painful things in your life that have shattered you. And you want to be healed. You want to move past those things in such a way that they don't, they don't carry the burden that they, they have in your life. I, I believe God wants to touch you in that area today. I want to invite you to come forward and receive prayer for that here in just a moment, all right? So would you stand with me this morning? Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. You're so good. And I thank you this morning that you would draw every person in this room who has a need, a burden, something that they're carrying, Lord. Every person in here that needs prayer, I thank you that you draw them to these altars to receive prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.